All right. So how's everybody doing? Good, good. So I'm going to get into it quickly, and I'm probably going to do it quickly, um, but I'm going to actually teach today. So I, maybe preach might come out. Do you know the difference? Preach is like you get a little excited. But today I'm just going to teach. Uh, but today I wanted to talk about uh, foundational truths or one foundational truth, and that is faith. Can you say faith with me? Faith. faith. All right. Awesome. So faith is a foundational truth that every believer needs to understand and be fully established in. There's a couple places in the Bible where um, it compares the life of the believer to the construction of a building. And so you can find that in 1 Corinthians 3, 9 through 10, Ephesians 2, 22, Acts 20, 32. So all you note takers, if that was too fast, I'll give you the notes later if you need them. All right. So in the natural, the first and most important feature of a building is its foundation. So the integrity and the stability, the strength of a building is dependent upon the quality of the foundation. So what happens when you have a faulty foundation? Eventually, the building will crumble, right? And as I was kind of, I took a little time to kind of look up uh, foundations, but one thing I, I didn't realize, but it makes sense, a foundation is made to be level, right? So that when you build upon it, the, the building goes up straight, right? And so the foundation and the building are intertwined, right? So if you have a faulty foundation or an uneven foundation, what do you have? A leaning building, right? And if you have a faulty foundation, the building lacks longevity, so faith is a foundational truth that must be understood and established within us as believers so that the spiritual house that we are building is strong and built to last. So I wanted to talk about faith today. It's really important that we understand it. So what is biblical faith? You know, a lot of times we use the word faith kind of loosely. Like, we probably wouldn't say this nowadays, but we might say, I have faith in a politician. Maybe not nowadays, but... We have faith in a, a news organization, probably not nowadays. Uh, or we have faith in the outcome of a situation. Or we have faith in the goodness of someone's heart. You know, Diana's amazing, so I have faith that she will treat me well. <laughs> She's like, amen. <laughs> so how does faith come? But all those things aren't really biblical faith. So how does faith come? How do we receive it? Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes. Don't you love when the Bible just gives you the information? So faith, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So it comes by what? First, hearing. And what does it come by? The word of God. All right, so there's three consecutive stages in how we receive faith. The first one is the Word of God. So the Word of God is the origin or the source of my faith. Say that with me. The Word of God is the source, the origin of my faith. So true biblical faith can only agree with God's Word. Okay? 
If you cannot find it in God's word, it's not biblical faith. Okay? So faith is based solely on God's word. It only accepts the testimony of the senses only when they agree with the testimony of God's word. See, our senses might be telling us one thing. Our circumstances might be telling us one thing. But true biblical faith will only agree with our senses when it comes into alignment with the word of God. Are you guys following me? All right. So the first one is the source of my faith is the word of God. So you, can, you cannot have true biblical faith unless it's from the word of God. The next step is hearing. And how do we hear? It's, in this context, it's receiving it into the soul, okay? So God's word does not immediately produce faith, but it starts with hearing. So you must hear first, or you must first hear to produce faith. That kind of makes sense, right? Right? So in order for you to build faith or produce faith, you have to hear Revelation. You have to hear God's word. Now, here's the thing. Hearing in this context is described as an attitude of awakened interest and attention, a sincere desire to receive and understand the message presented. What does that mean? Have you ever said something to your children and they heard you with their ears, but they didn't have interest or awareness do you see the difference? Have you heard me? Yeah, and they can repeat it, but they weren't listening. <laughs> Do you see the difference? So in this context, when it says hearing the word, it's not just, oh, I heard, I heard the sermon today. I must have faith. No, it's actually hearing it with interest and awareness and desire. Do you see the difference? So it's not just one of our five senses hearing it. Hey, if, if faith came by just hearing alone, everybody that heard it would have faith. So it's a combination of awareness. What do I mean by awareness? We recognize that God is actually speaking. Have you ever heard something you're like, um, who was that? So hearing also comes with, you have to know that it is the Holy Spirit speaking to you. And the other aspect is with interest or desire. So without awareness and interest, what we hear will never turn into faith. So the responsibility of the soul is to receive God's word with interest and attention. But for God's word to turn into faith, it cannot remain in the soul. Okay? Like I said, I'm teaching today. So what is the first thing? Where does our faith come from? What's the source? Word of God. So how, how does faith come? It comes by hearing, but it's not just hearing like I heard you. It comes by hearing with interest and desire for the truth. Does this make sense? So his word must be rooted and established within our hearts for it to produce true biblical faith. So it comes in through the soul, but it cannot stay there. And then the last step or stage or however you want to say it is faith. Faith becomes established within our hearts when we believe it. 
Okay, so what's the first one? The origin is God's word. Then we hear it with interest and desire, and then it becomes established within our heart. Okay, so we receive his word through the soul and then believe it in our heart. Faith can be defined as believing that God will do what he has promised in his word. So faith is saying, if you said it, then I believe it. So Mary, the Virgin Mary, was out doing what Virgin Marys do. And uh, then an angel shows up, right? And tells her this, this insane, crazy thing in the natural, right? You haven't been with the man, but you're going to conceive a child. And it's actually going to be from the Holy Spirit. And what is her response? Well, first she said, how is this going to happen? Right? But at the end of it, she says, let it be according to your word. That is true biblical faith. So the source of God's word came. She heard it with desire and interest. How is this going to happen? And then what happens? You said it. I believe it. Let it be according to what you have said. So that is where God's word leaves, or I wouldn't say leaves, goes through the mind into our heart and we believe it. So scripture faith is initially received by the soul by hearing God's word and is expressed by the active response of claiming the fulfillment of that which has, God has said. So confession begins the process of establishing faith within our heart. So when we confess something that we believe, it establishes faith within our heart. In the original Greek of the New Testament, there are two different words that are normally translated word. So when you read in the New Testament where it says word, God's word, or uh, faith comes by hearing of the word, it's translated by two different words. The first one is logos. Can you say that with me? Logos. And the second one is rhema. Rhema. All right. So the Greek word logos means more than just the written word. A lot of times uh, we just say, well, it's the Bible. It, it's, can you lift up your Bible? We just say, oh, that, that's the logos. But that is true. But it's, it's so much trans... Uh, it goes so much past that. Uh, the Logos deals with who God is, his thoughts, his character, his nature, his wisdom, his counsel. So the Logos was before time. Okay? Now, the scripture is a picture of that, but the Logos was there before we ever had a physical Bible. Does this make sense? The written word of God is a picture of the Logos. John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Logos, was the word. Remember, what is the Logos? It's the character. It's the nature. It's the thoughts. It's the wisdom. It's the counsel of God. In the beginning was the Logos, and the Logos was with God, and the Logos was God. So in the beginning was the nature, the character, the counsel of God. In the beginning, before time itself, was absolute truth. In the beginning, before time, it was absolute truth. So John 1.14, the word became flesh 
and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory in the glory of the one and only Son who came to, from the Father full of grace and truth. When it says the word or the logos became flesh, who is it talking about? Jesus. So when it said the word became flesh, it's talking about how Jesus came into this world. So Jesus is a physical manifestation of God's thoughts, character, nature, and counsel. That should get excited. So before time, the Logos existed. And then Jesus comes and he is the manifestation of the Logos so that we can see it. Jesus was the physical manifestation of, of absolute truth. In this sense, the Logos is the unchanging word of God settled in eternity before time and will remain after time has run its course. Nothing that happens on earth can ever affect or change the word that is eternal in heaven. That's why there's absolute truth. On the other hand, what's the other word? So the first word was logos, right? And the second word was rhema. So on the other hand, the word rhema is derived from a verb meaning to speak. When Paul said that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, he used the word rhema, not logos. Okay, so what, how, how, how does faith come? Their, their origin or the source is, okay, two people were listening. Okay, it's the word of God. Then it comes by hearing, right? And then it comes by believing or being established within the heart. So the reign of word of God is a living voice speaking directly to my heart. It is the work of the Holy Spirit. And apart from the Holy Spirit, there is no rhema. Okay? Do you see the difference? So the logos is too vast and too complex for me to comprehend or conform in, it, in its totality. Basically, if someone says they have perfect theology, no. No, no. They may have good theology, but they don't have perfect theology. To say that is that you comprehend the fullness of the Logos. And that's kind of funny. You don't. No one does. And guess what? That's why we need one another. Because many of us demonstrate or manifest a portion of the Logos that we might not have. Now, like I said, there's no perfect theology, but there is bad theology. Okay, I'll just say that. Okay. All right, so um, the rhema is the way that the Holy Spirit brings a portion of the Logos down out of eternity and relates it to a time and human experience. So have you ever been reading the Word of God and something came alive within you? What just happened? You received a rhema word of God. A piece of the Logos before time came into your experience and you understood it. How? By the work of the Holy Spirit. The funny thing is we can't really boast in our own faith because it's really the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, obviously, you know, we have to hear, right? And we have to co-labor with him. So through Rhema, Logos is applied to my life, thus becomes specific and personal to my experience. 
So the rhema takes the eternal logos and injects it into time. The rhema takes the heavenly logos and brings it down to earth. The rhema takes the potential logos and makes it actual. Jesus was the perfect expression of the logos. He was the perfect imprint of the nature and the character and the wisdom and the counsel of God. Rhema takes the general logos and makes it specific. So how does faith come? We must hear and respond to the rhema word of God. Let me just say this. It took the Holy Spirit to write the Bible. Did you know that? It's basically men were inspired by the Holy Spirit to write the word of God. Okay. You also have to understand if it took the Holy Spirit to write the Bible, it takes the Holy Spirit to read the Bible. Okay? So, hey, there are times where you're just, bust, you know, you're just busting through it, you're, you're reading chapters, and, and you're filling yourself. There's nothing wrong with that. But the truth is, if there is no illumination, you're missing it. And guess what? There are times when you're filling yourself with the Word and you're not feeling anything. But then later down the road, the Holy Spirit goes, oh, remember this? And then, then you have something to pull from. Does this make sense? All right. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing the word or hearing the rhema of God. Therefore, we cannot boast in our own faith because the work, it's the work of the Holy Spirit within us. So let me go through this again. What are the stages of establish, establishing faith within us? The first one is what is our source? Where does faith come from? From the word of God. The second is, what, what is our role? We have to hear it, but it's not just hearing in a, in a natural sense, but it's like, this is awesome. I want some more. This is good. Show me more. So it's God's word, and then it's our interest. And then once, how do we know it gets in? How do we know it, it is established um, in our heart when we believe it. Okay? Good stuff, huh? Can you see why this is important for our foundation? See, a lot of times people build these spiritual lives, but they're leaning. It's because the foundation isn't laid level. And so knowing foundational truths are so important. So our faith is anchored in the realm of the heart, not in the mind. Can we say that together? Our faith is anchored in the realm of the heart, not the mind or the soul. Now, like I said, our soul has a responsibility. And what is that responsibility? To hear with interest, to hear with desire. But that truth cannot remain in the mind. It must be established within the heart. So faith is not wishful thinking. It's not positive reinforcement. It's not solely a mental exercise or agreement. In Romans, Paul directly associates the heart with the exercise of faith or believing. Romans 10.10. For with the heart, one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. So what does it mean to have faith or what does it mean to believe? Are there differences? 
The word faith is translated from the Greek word pistis, that is P-I-S-T-I-S, and is a noun. Say with me, it's a noun. Faith is a noun. And the verb form is P-I-S-T-E-U-O, which I think is pistuo. I think, hey, you know they have like uh, things on the internet and then it will pronounce a Greek word, so I'm pretty sure these are right. If not, I spelled it for you. All right. So the Greek form or the verb form of it is believe. So faith is a noun and believe is a verb. Okay. So let's go back to school here. A noun is a person. Come on. Person, place, or thing, right? So faith is a thing. It has substance, okay? But verb, a verb is used to describe action. So how do we know faith is established within our heart? When we grab a hold of that substance, that word of God, and we put action to it, it becomes established within our life. In the Greek, there's no distinction between the two. They are coupled together. When you have faith, you express it through believing. Believing is the expression of our faith. To say you have faith, you must believe, which is expressed through action. To say that we believe and it's only a mental agreement, that is not faith. I'm going to say it again. If we just believe with a mental agreement, it's not scriptural faith. Because scriptural faith is founded in the heart and is expressed through believing. And believing is an action. Man, this is good. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Lynn. I appreciate that. All right. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, unto Unto is kind of like an, it's an archaic term. Basically, archaic means it's old and old-fashioned, meaning we don't use it much. So what is it saying? For with the heart one believes unto righteousness. Unto in the Greek means into or to or towards. So Paul is saying with the heart one believes into righteousness, believes towards righteousness. What is believe? It's a verb emotion of action. So with the heart, one steps into righteousness. See, a lot of times we can think unto is, I believe with my mind, but true faith is I step into it. There's a big difference. So this implies a transition or change of some kind. When we say that we believe, it's not a stagnant. It's not stagnant. It has motion. It moves. It transforms. I mean, uh, I won't go there. Okay. Uh, mental accept, acceptance of truth is not biblical faith. Until truth penetrates the heart, there will be no faith and no fruit from that faith. I want you guys to get this. Truth that is held in the mind is knowledge. Truth that is held in the mind is knowledge. Knowledge is not bad. 
Truth that resides in the heart is faith which is expressed through believing. This is why James could declare faith without works is dead. Because it's impossible to have true biblical faith without, within the heart without the corresponding action of believing. So it said, faith without works is dead. So how, do, how does hearing come? It's the work of who? The Holy Spirit. So it says, faith without works is dead. What is the sign that someone is dead? The Spirit has left the body. Are you guys catching this? To say we have faith and have no works is to say that the Spirit has left the body. With the heart, one believes into or towards righteousness. Webster defines into as used as a function word to indicate entry, introduction, or insertion. It means to superimpose. I love this. Superimpose means to lay upon another so, that, so as to make all like parts coincide. So to superimpose, you lay something on top of it so that all the parts coincide. With the heart, one believes or he is superimposed onto righteousness. It means the action or the possession of. To say we believe is not inactive. It's very active. To the action or possession of, involved with or interested. I don't know if people still use this, but maybe when I was younger we did. Have, have you ever heard, I'm kind of into you? I'm into you? Yeah. yeah. Right? So that's what it's saying. Faith comes by Hearing with interest. So with, one, with the heart one believes, it's saying, I'm into what is being said. Come on. And the last one is in the direction of, my sheep hear my voice and a voice of a stranger they will not follow. So through faith we hear and obey. We hear and obey. The second part of the verse is a direct consequence or result from believing from the heart. So with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. So with the heart, one believes unto righteousness. And then the second part is with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. So the confession of the mouth is not a step. It's a result. Okay. A lot of times when people lead people to the Lord, it's like, do you believe it? Now you need to say it, because that's what the word says. But actually, it's actually a reflection of believing in the heart. If you believe in the heart, your mouth will confess. We also see that um, when um, in Luke 6, 45, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So when your heart is filled with faith, you're not going to keep quiet. So when you believe with your heart, your mouth will confess. So it's not like, well, now step two is you need to confess it. 
No, if you believe, it's the overflow of the heart. It's one thing to believe with the mind merely as an abstract theory or an idea. It's quite another thing to believe with the heart into righteousness. That is to believe in a way that produces transformation of habits, character, and life. The truth is, I can believe in the benefits of something. You know, I can believe that having a budget is a good thing for my finances. But if I don't put it into practice, what won't I reap? The benefits of it. You know, I can, I've heard it enough from my family, the benefits of putting good things in your body. I can believe in the benefits of something. But I will not reap the benefits of it until I step into the application of it. And the only way to do that is to take ownership of that truth inside my life or inside my heart. So the heart is where our beliefs are formed, and our beliefs are the motivation for our actions and our response. Let me just say this. You know, we talk a lot here about uh, the battle of the mind and uh, guarding our mind and taking uh, control of our mind, right? But the true battleground of the mind is not in the in the mind. It's in the heart. If we win the battle of our heart, the mind will come into alignment. If we actually believe something in our heart, it's going to transform us so much that our, our mind will have to come into alignment. I'm not saying that we should renew our mind. I'm not saying that we shouldn't. I'm just saying, if, we're, if we feel like we're losing the battle of the mind, we might need to check our heart. And the heart is, is the place where our beliefs are, why we do what we do. So a mental agreement alone does not produce transformation. A mental agreement alone is not true biblical faith. Have you ever met someone that had all the answers, but they couldn't figure out a problem if they tried? Just having knowledge of something does not produce change. This is why many people can believe in God as a mental agreement. I believe in a higher power. Great. But don't have the faith to believe into him. When we believe in, we accept the maybe, how, how, how can I put this? Well, let's just look at this. Um, John 14, 1. Let your heart, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. That word in is the same preposition used in Romans 10, 10, unto, which means into or towards. So Jesus is saying, believe into or towards God, believe also into me. Believe into God and also believe into me. The word is used to express change or motion. It's not enough to believe in Christ as a simple mental acceptance of the facts of his life and the truth of his teaching. 
We must believe into Christ, meaning to lay upon another so that so as to make all like parts coincide. So Jesus is not referring to a mental agreement. He's specifically referring to the heart. What does he say? Let not your heart be troubled. Where, do, where does faith reside? It resides in the heart. So he's referring to someone's faith. How do we know if we have just a mental agreement of truth in the mind rather than a true biblical faith that resides in our heart? That's a good question. How do we know if it's just a mental agreement or if there's true faith within our heart? I believe it's we take ownership of that truth. That truth becomes a part of who we are. And because it's a part of who we are, everything we do flows from that. We step into it. We walk with it. We lay upon it so that all parts coincide. God's word that is received by faith will produce real, tangible changes within our lives. Colossians 3.17 Let every detail in your life's words, actions, whatever, be done in the name of the Master, Jesus, thanking God the Father every step of the way. How do we know that we actually have faith and not just a mental acceptance? Um, agreement that in everything we do it flows from our relationship with him flows from that that truth that we've received flows from the faith that we have Romans 12 2 do not be conformed to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of the mind Okay, wait a second. I just spent a bunch of time saying that it's the heart or faith that brings transformation. But right here, it says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How are we transformed in this verse? It says, by the renewing of the mind. So my question is, what does it take to renew the mind? Hebrews 11.1, 1. now faith is the substance, the thing, the actual thing of things hoped for. Where does faith reside? It resides in the heart. Where does our hope reside? It resides in our soul. So how do we renew our mind? We receive God's word with interest, with attention, and then we actually believe it, meaning there is a corresponding action to it. So, when we have faith, remember how I said the battle of the mind is not in the mind, it's actually in the heart. The battle of the mind is actually won in the heart. Because everything we do flows from our heart. I think that's in the Bible, right? Um, Proverbs 4.23. So faith is the underlying reality that provides a valid scriptural basis for the hope that we entertain in our mind. So our faith is actual, is the actual foundation for our thought life. 
And where does our faith come from? It comes from the news. Okay, I'm sorry. It comes from where? The Word of God. Are you guys following this? The battle of the mind is won with what you believe in your heart. So it takes faith to be established in the heart for there to be a true renewing of the mind. Faith is the cause for the effect of things hoped for. Say that again. Our faith is the cause for the effect of things hoped for. What comes first? Faith and then the things hoped for. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is the foundational belief of things hoped for in my mind. Are you guys following this? Awesome. So if we're always battling our thought life, it might be more important to challenge our core beliefs. The things that actually cause us to do the things that we do. Beliefs are the motivation for our actions. So sometime, here, let me just give you an example of this. If, if you believe that you have no value, you actually believe you have no value and that you are insignificant, not just a thought, but you actually believe it, it's going to be a long, unproductive battle for you to renew your mind. You first must receive by faith what God's word says. What does God's word say? say about you, that you're valuable, that he's chosen you. So you hear that with interest, right? And then you believe it. Well, how do you believe it? You're, you're actually transformed into actually doing what you actually believe. So with the heart, one believes, but with the mouth confesses. So I believe what God's word says. So I start talking differently. Are you guys seeing this? I start saying wonderful things about myself. I don't cringe when I look in the mirror. Why? Because there is a solid foundation of faith within my heart. And guess what? When you have that, the enemy's thoughts in the mind have no power. Because you actually believe something from your heart not just a mental acceptance of it. So his word becomes a reality within our heart. His word becomes truth inside of you. It becomes the substance with inside of you. It comes the foundation with inside of you. And then when the devil places a little thought in your mind, you're like, I don't think so. Because I know who I am. But how do I know who I am? It's by faith. And how does faith come? It comes by the word of God, hearing it with interest, having a desire for it, and then believing it in our heart. And how do we believe it in our heart? We do something about it. If we say we believe something but have no corresponding action, we have a mental agreement of it but do not have true biblical faith. Now that's tough to hear 
but it's good. True biblical faith is connected or coupled with believe, our faith and our believing, and believing is the action form, is the verb. So your mind will have to come into alignment with what your heart believes. When will we know, when will we know that his word has become a reality within our hearts? Because true biblical faith demands change. How will we know that faith is starting to become established within our life when our heart tells us something has to change? Has God ever spoken to you through his word or the Holy Spirit spoke to you? And, and Well, I'll give you an example of mine. I used to say, and I, it might slip out once in a while, um, it is what it is. Meaning I am a victim, I have no power, it is what it is. But the Holy Spirit revealed to me that you are not a victim, you are powerful. And so guess what happened? I started believing that, and when I went to say it, I went, rewind. Because when you believe, it demands change. Are you guys following this? So when you believe that you are valuable, you will not allow certain things in your life because it will demand change. So if we're always battling this one thing within our mind, and it seems like the devil has free reign in my life or in my mind, I might want to check out what I actually believe. Because when I change what I believe, the mind will have to come into alignment. Are you guys following this? Good stuff. All right. So it's an important, how much time? Oh. All right. Um, it's important to make the distinction uh, that faith is in the heart. Faith that is in the heart is present and hope that is in the mind is in the future. Say, hope, say with me, faith in the heart is present. Hope in the mind is in the future. Mark eleven twenty four. For this reason I am telling you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe, what is believe? The action with trust and be confident that it is granted to you and you will get it. Remember, believe is the verb form of faith. So what is it saying? When you pray, act in such a way with confidence and trust that your prayer is granted to you. That is faith. Meaning when you pray for something, some things might have to change with inside of you. Are you guys following this? It's saying act in such a way that you actually believe what you're praying. Take ownership of it, step into it, move towards it. And then what does it say? And you will get it. So that's kind of funny. Faith is in the present, meaning when we have faith, we act like we have it. We act in such a way that we have it. But then he says, and you will get it. What is that? That's in the future, which is what? Hope. Do you see how hope and faith 
work together? How many of you have ever had faith, faith for something and your mind was just really out of whack? Well, maybe you have faith, but you're not allowing hope to take control of your mind. All right. It's not valid because you believe it. Our hope is not valid because we believe it. It's valid because it agrees with God's word. What is the only validation for our hope in our mind? It's God's word. I can hope that my kids clean their room, but it might not be valid. (laughs) But I can hope that God will work all things for the good for me. Why is that valid? Because it's his word. Do you see the difference? I can hope that everything goes well with my day. But I know that I'm more than a conqueror, so whatever happens, I'm more than a conqueror. What is my hope based on? It's based on truth. It's based on his word. Say with me, faith is never tomorrow. Hebrews 11.1, 1. now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Faith is one of the few defined words in the Bible. We can see from this verse that faith is actually defined as a substance, that which has actual existence. Jesus is a perfect expression of faith, and I kind of already went through that. Hebrews 11, 1 through 2. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. For by it, what is it? For by faith the elders obtained a good report. So the elders became the physical expression or the physical manifestation of their faith. Remember when we have faith, we believe, and what is believe? Action. So when we have faith, we obtain a good report because we are actually modeling outwardly what we see in heaven. Are you guys seeing this? So they identified with the reality that was hoped for. An automobile may have several hundred horsepower. How many of you like fast cars? Fast cars, big engines. But it doesn't matter how much horsepower you have if you don't release the clutch. You see, we can have all the horsepower of heaven, but if we don't apply it with faith, we won't release the power. So I could be sitting there with that nice, awesome car and just revving the engine. But until I release the clutch, the power is stagnant. It's not released. Are you guys seeing this? So it is with faith. We have all the power of heaven behind us, but it is our faith that connects what is available to our circumstances. Faith takes what is available and makes it actual. Say that with me. Faith takes what is available and makes it actual. Remember, we don't connect with faith through our mind, but through our heart. This is why faith and works cannot be separated. Faith that is anchored in the heart will always have a corresponding action. With the heart, one believes, and the mouth, one confesses. 
All right, I went through all this. Okay, I'm going to end with this story or this example. Um, I found this um, in an old blog post that Bill Johnson wrote a long time ago on faith. But this is how he kind of explains faith. He said, if I go into a local pizza parlor and order a pizza, they will give me a number and a receipt. Say number and a receipt. I place that number in a visible place on the table. Why does he put it in a visible place? So when the waitress comes out with the pizza, they know what table it goes to, right? Okay. So someone may walk in off the street and come to my table and announce that they won't give me any pizza. And I'll just point to the number and tell him, when pizza number 52 is done, it's mine. See, the enemy can come in and say, you won't get that pizza. And we point to the number. See, number 52, that's my pizza. The number is the substance of pizza hoped for. <laughs> so number 52 is my right or the authority that I have to that pizza that is hoped for. If that guy tells me that my number isn't any good, it's not valid, what do I do? I point to the receipt. See, I paid for this. Now, in, in the gospel, Jesus paid for it. It verifies the value of the number. When, when my pizza is done, the waiter will walk around looking for the number, right? Right? When, let's say it's a packed place and it's really busy. They're looking around for number 52, okay? So when does the, where does the product of heaven know where to land? Heaven looks for substance. What is our substance? The receipt, which is our faith. When heaven is looking to give the promise it's looking for what? Faith, which is our number. And if someone questions the authenticity of the number or faith, my receipt verifies the value of the number. What is the receipt? It's God's word. Why is my faith valid? Because it originates in God's word. Is this making sense? All right which verifies my right to both the number and the pizza, which confirms my right to faith and the promise. Faith apart from God's word is illegitimate and lacks authority. The word of God is what validates and verifies my faith. So once, why are you even believing that way? Well, let me pull out the, open my receipt. <laughs> It's a big one. And let me show you why my faith is valid and why my pizza's coming. Are you guys seeing this? Good stuff. How many of you are going to get pizza after church today? <laughs> You're like, man, I'm feeling this pizza right now. Like you order the pizza, you get the number, and you're like, hallelujah. You're like, what is up with this person? All right. So true biblical faith is rooted in God's word. Faith founded in God's word is the only solid basis for hope. I'll say that again. Faith founded in God's word is the only solid basis for hope. 
Hope that is based on genuine faith in the heart, and it is therefore valid. Its expectation will in due time be fulfilled. Hope that is based in the mind alone has no scriptural validity. This type of hope has no certainty to it. Have you ever had a friend that you could trust? And let's say you come over to their house and you're like, man, I really hope that they did this. But they never said that they would. That's kind of like hope in the mind. But let's say you talk to this friend that you really trusted and they said, I will have this done when you come over. Why is my hope valid? Because he gave me his word. Why is my hope valid? Because he gave me his word. Let's see what the scripture says about his word. Isaiah 55, 11. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Meaning you can count on God's word. The only valid hope that you have is it being assigned or corresponding with the word of God. Come on now. So like I said today, I just wanted to lay a good foundation so we had, we had some bumps in the foundation a little bit. We had to iron them out, right? Pepperoni, hallelujah. <laughs> I, I'm, I believe more in mushrooms, but uh, now, now you're getting me hungry. All right. So yeah, I just wanted to lay a good foundation for what true biblical faith is. Because sometimes we can hope for things and it's just a desire, but it's so important to connect our faith and our hope with the word of God. I know it's very simple, but sometimes we can miss it. And so even though I, I love that scripture verse, let me read it again. I think it really, for, uh, oh yeah, Mark eleven twenty four. For this reason, I'm telling you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe Trust and be confident that it is granted you, meaning act in such a way that you have it. And you will get it, meaning it will come in due time. Lord, we just come before you and we just thank you for today. Lord, we just thank you that you have given us this awesome opportunity to live by faith. Meaning if we've been called to live by faith, we have the ability to walk by faith. And so, Lord, I just decree that, that seeds were dropped within our heart, within our soul, that we will step out in faith, hear your voice, be obedient to it. And, Lord, I just decree that we shall see the signs and wonders and miracles and the things that you have promised to us over the years come to their fulfillment. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys are released. <laughs>